Welcome to the Seeing Deep Podcast, where we see deep in a shallow world by exploring our surrounding culture through a biblical lens. This month, we are doing an overhaul on our health. We've talked about our physical health, and this week and next week, we're going to be talking about our emotional health. And here with me to help us do that is Susie Eller. Susie Eller is a best-selling author, co-host of the More Than Small Talk podcast, a wife, mama, and grandma. I guess you pronounce that gaga. (laughs) (laughs) Susie, welcome to the show. Oh, I am so excited to just be sitting with you and getting to talk about this. Oh, it is pure joy, no pun intended, (laughs) to have you here with us today. (laughs) So Susie, you have a new book coming out that I'm so excited about, Joy Keeper, Six Truths That Change Everything You Thought You Knew About Joy. Joy is the topic of this episode. It is a big part of our emotional health. So Susie, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to write this new book, Joy Keeper? Well, my background is that I became a believer uh, in my early teens, knew nothing about Jesus, and it began a journey of walking with Him that has changed me, and it has changed those I love. So that's kind of my background. And I wrote this book, Denise, out of a year that I call scarred. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's no other word to describe that. It was a year where... Uh, Every time I thought I was going to be okay from a hard hit, another hit came. Mm. And I began to reach for joy. But in order to reach for joy, I had to redefine it so that I could live it. Mm. So good. I do think sometimes we can have our own definitions that we carry around not realizing it. So the scripture for this episode is taken from Romans 15, 1. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You know, it is God who is our hope and who fills us with joy. But there are two words there that stand out to me today in believing. We choose joy when we choose to believe that God is the limitless source of joy for us and the only one who can give us abiding joy at all times. And part of emotional well-being is not being dependent upon others or on circumstances for our joy. Joy doesn't just happen to us. It is chosen. So, Susie, I love this premise of joy that you mentioned in your book. Joy is Mm -hmm. more than a feeling. It's a knowing. Can you expound on that? Sure. You know, first of all, our feelings matter to God. I just want to put that out there. I don't in any way want to dismiss how you feel because that's actually one of the truths that we um, discuss in Joy Keeper. But this is what I do know is that one of the definitions that really stuck with me as I was going through this year called SCARD and then walked into another year of a global pandemic and breast cancer and other things I didn't see coming is that one definition of joy is that we intentionally walk into God's love and care. Mm. And that, that was something that really helped me redefine joy from a feeling because we're not always going to feel happy or feel joy. In fact, there's a lot of other feelings that we walk through. We walk through loss. Right now in the midst of this pandemic, 
people are walking through feelings of confusion and loss. And other people, as we walk through really hard issues in our nation and in our communities, we're walking through feelings of inadequacy or we don't know what to do. And so when we redefine this as joy is not only intentionally walking into love's God's love and care, but also that joy is the greater reality of God's goodness and character in the midst of whatever circumstance we're in, then it becomes something deeper. It's not something that we do. It's something that we become. Mm. You know, when you think about when we know God, we know joy. You know, and I, I, when you were talking, I was imagining, you know, that verse where Christ says, for the joy set before him, he endured yeah. the cross. It says that. And, and I've thought about that many times when we walk through things that are joyless, yes. that we still can have that joy. And, and I'm wondering right now about the person listening who does not know about this joy. Mm. She might know it cognitively, but this knowledge has not moved from her head to her heart or to a place of faith. How can we help that person know joy when all around her is seemingly a joyless life? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want her to know that he sees her, mm. that he has loved her like crazy from the moment she was conceived in her mother's womb. Mm. That there is nothing about her that does not delight him in the sense of the way that she was created and who she is. And so the more that we come to know Jesus, the more that we come to know who we are and whose we are and why we're here, you know, and sometimes in the midst of the hardest places, when we start to reach for God, we might say to ourselves, you know, is he going to be on the other side when I reach for him? And I'm going to tell you that he's never, ever not been on the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. So reach for him. And as you begin to live with him, then that is when we begin to learn what it is to live a life marked by joy that's not defined by our circumstances, that's not defined by our past, that's not defined by the words that humans who are broken have spoken over you, but they become a part of a living relationship with a God who loves you like crazy. I love that. And you know, it is a battle for joy because choosing joy can be hard in the hard places. You know, there's one thing that we hear a lot. There's a comparison between joy and happiness. Um, are they the same thing or are they not? Uh, does being joyful mean that we should always be smiling and happy? Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. In fact, it's probably the opposite. Mm -hmm. um, it, as, I, as I dug deep into the topic of joy, there were times that I was in a place of deep, deep sorrow. I shared in the very first chapter of Joy Keeper that not only was my daughter going through breast cancer and I had been diagnosed with melanoma, um, but on a, a, 
a hard level, I received a phone call from my beautiful son one night in the, in the dark of night. And he just told us, I have found myself in a desperate place of addiction. No one knew. I didn't know. He was from the outside looking in, had everything together, a beautiful family. He had a thriving business. He was a speaker and traveling and writing. And yet he found himself in a really dark, dark place. And I'm thankful that he called us. I'm thankful that he came to that place where he knew he couldn't go any further. But I have to tell you that that is a place where as a woman, as a mama, as a grandma, that I found myself with my face pressed in the fibers of the carpet crying out to God because this was something I could not fix, nor was it my job to fix. But Denise, when we find ourselves in that place, if somebody looks at us and says, oh, you should be happy or you should put on this face or you should strength is, you know, looks like this or that. Mm. I was in a place where I had come to the end of myself and the end of my ability. And I desperately needed God. And when we give ourselves permission to be honest with God, we give our, ourselves permission to not only feel what we're feeling, but we give ourselves permission to heal because we're reaching for him instead of our own resources in that moment. So joy and sorrow all throughout the Bible, honestly, they waltz together. And you see this sorrow that Jesus walked through as he went to the cross. But the joy of that was the freedom that you and I still have today, or the sorrow of, a, of an early church that said, Jesus, you're leaving us, and we feel ill-equipped. And the joy of finding out that all the things that Jesus said they could do through him were true. So joy and sorrow is absolutely something if we allow ourselves to feel Um, we also allow ourselves to heal. Mm. You know, when you were talking, uh, I was just thinking about some of the hardest places where I realized the hope or the joy I thought I had, I really didn't. Right. You know, we can go through this life and feel like, oh, yeah, I'm a pretty happy person. I'm I'm pretty joyful. But that's not real joy. And it's not until it's tested through the fires that you do get to that place. And I've been there with my face in the fibers sure. of the carpet as well, sure. where it's just, you feel powerless, you feel yeah. but that is where that beautiful surrender comes. And we can, sometimes that can be Christianese, you know, oh, if you just surrender, yeah. you know what I mean? But there is this place of truly saying, I don't have joy. I can't do this. Yeah. And then we find ourselves suddenly filled because we finally admitted we don't have it. God has right. it. Well, and, you know, joy can feel complicated. Let's say that you're not in a hard situation or a hard season, and yet you're in a place absolutely where there is joy. But what can happen even in that season? And that's why we talk about the difference between joy stealers and a joy keeper is that you can be in that season where everything's good, but you're afraid to experience joy because you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I one of the, the if if you've seen the cover, Denise, and I really fought for this yes. cover, there's these beautiful balloons, and that came out of 
a time when I was, again, in this season called Scarred. And I began to pray about the concept of joy. And I remembered that when a child is young and somebody hands them a balloon, what's the first thing going to happen to that balloon? It's going to fly off. And so <laughs> a couple of things happen is, you know, either they hold it so tightly that it pops and then there's tears or, you know, they go on and do all the things they're going to do. And it just pretty soon we see it's going away in the clouds. Well, what an adult will do is they'll kneel down. And they'll tie that balloon gently around that child's wrist. So wrist. And so this child goes on and should be bopping along. And that joy goes wherever that child, that joy, that balloon goes wherever that child is going. And I saw that same concept is that in the midst of the dark places and the good places, when we understand that joy is more than a feeling, it's the same, and we tie into that source, it's the same as God leaning down and tying joy gently around our wrist so that wherever we go, dark places, hard places, high places, that joy follows us and that we live a life that is marked by joy. Mm. You know, and I think, you know, on my shame off you, balloons for me represented this rising above Yes. Rising above all the joy and the hope stealers in our life. Yes. You know, um, and funny thing too, um, my son has a YouTube channel and he just made a video with balloons that were popped. And what was really interesting to me was how he shared how when all the things in his life looked like joy was gone, he still had joy. You know, yes. it, it wasn't in those other things. And so I do think that's beautiful imagery you have on your cover there. Um so thinking back to the scripture for this episode, you chose in the midst of shock and pain to believe something more than what you saw. And this is that place of a secret inner joy fixed on God's promises and character more than on life's harsh realities, knowing and believing that God is in control even when our world is out of control. It gives us peace in the storm and joy that can't be moved. I remember one time asking God, hey, please don't ever let me go through a miscarriage deal. <laughs> and you know, yeah. all these little deals we make, and that was early on, like 30 years ago, <laughs> my new sure. faith. And you realize we're imagining the future apart from His grace. Yeah. His grace is what brings us that joy in the joyless situations. Yeah. So share a little bit more. How were you able to find joy in all of those scary moments? Um, I became a joy noticer is probably the only word that I could describe. And it's something that's really important. And I, I want, it's not like, living in some other world where I'm ignoring all that's going on because right now in the midst of a pandemic, we can't ignore what's going on and the hard decisions that so many are having to make mm. or in the face of injustice and inequality, we can't ignore that. So what we do is we step into those places where God has called us to live. Um, we begin to look for joy. And so for example, when I turned in this book, I didn't realize that there was another year of hard things ahead. I didn't realize that I would have, you know, a diagnosis of breast cancer. I'm going through surgeries right now, even as we speak for this, like not at this second, but in this season. Mm -hmm. 
And I didn't realize that my beautiful, strong, healthy marathon running husband was going to have a heart attack and we were going to go through that. But what I begin to look for is, for example, the goodness of God's people, because it's easy to see all the negative. And that might be, and I have this image of being in an ICU outside while my husband was having surgery. Mm. And just three days earlier, I'd found out that breast cancer had returned. And I was just sitting there and I thought, what in the world (laughs) has just happened to, you know, what is going on? And I looked around and here was one of my friends, Anne, who was coming up the stairs and she had over one arm, she had Chick-fil-A in these <laughs> like three or four bags. She was bringing enough for everybody in the waiting room. And the other arm, she had a box of coffee. And then on one arm was hanging other things. And she was just determined to trudge up these stairs. She was coming toward us with all she knew to give, which was food and coffee. (laughs) And I looked at her and in that moment, I saw the goodness Mm. of a friend who was determined to be at our side in our hardest hour. And yes, in the moment of that, that was joy. You know, there's been other things where I... I have given myself permission to go alone with God and just wail and say, I don't know what good is going to come out of this. And I don't understand why it's happening, but this is what I do know. Mm. You are good and you love us. And I can trust you and you are Mm. a sacred place of rest And there's just such this beautiful place where I can also say, you know, Lord, right now, I don't have a clue what to do. And so I notice those things. Here's a safe place here. Here's a shelter there. Here's a beautiful thing there. And it it shows me God's love and care for me Hmm. and those I love in those hard places. It's, you know, it's easy, Denise, it's easy, Mm. easy, easy for me to look at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever social media and walk away with a very jaded view of the world. Yes. And to become very cynical Mm -hmm. and to become, or to look at my circumstances only and become very cynical. But when we become joy noticers, we're able to see the beauty in the midst of those hard places and feel God's care for us. I love that. Joy noticers. You might even need little reminders around your house, right? To notice the joy. I think expectations can really steal our joy. You know, we were expecting something far different. And this is where the shock and the trauma comes in. I know illness has been a hard place for me. And um, Mm -hmm. I had my own diagnosis of melanoma this year. Uh, very sudden, um, and, and disillusionment is one of those yeah. big joy stealers. I, I mentioned it earlier and that I struggled with. Life didn't look like what I thought it should. Right. I was living a story that I did not want to be my story. Yeah. And yet in that place of disillusionment, I realized it was because my hope and joy were fixed on the wrong thing, on the created, on my expectations, rather than on the creator. 
And, you know, other joy stealers for me have been shame and worrying when I allow myself to be distracted by the struggles in my mind instead of focusing on the certainty that Christ offers me. My emotions can take a nosedive. So, Susie, what are some other joy stealers? Oh, there's so many. It's, you know, <laughs> and what I really loved is not only do I, I share my own joy stealers, but I share joy stealers after talking to friend after friend after friend after woman after woman. And one of the greatest uh, joy stealers is the belief that if you don't fix it, the whole world will fall apart. And, (laughs) you know, like we feel like it is our job to make sure that the people that we love never fail, never feel pain or um, never fall short. And so we're just continually juggling all of these assignments that were never ours in the first place. So that's, Mm. that's one joy stealer that is really huge. And with the news that my son gave us, that was probably the hardest place to walk because uh, as someone, as any woman who loves those that are in her family, your first instinct is, How can I make this right? What do I need to do? And I realized that, first of all, that God loved my son even more than I do. And that it wasn't my job to clean up this hard place. That doesn't mean that there weren't assignments for me in there to listen, to love, to pray, But when we put down assignments that aren't ours, then we're free to do what is ours. And again, there's joy in that. So that's one joy stealer. Another joy stealer is hiding your feelings from a God who already knows and loves (laughs) you. Or trying to make yourself lovable to a God who already loves you. Hmm. It makes me think of, you know, staying in our own lane, right? We try to control things, so but hard. God already has that job covered, you know? <laughs> well, and, and it is, it's really tough because I, what I realized, and the Lord gave me a very clear, I've taught for years about living in your own ranch. This is something I've taught for probably 10 or 15 years, mm. but chapter three is called Chalkline Faith. Because I began to imagine a chalk line like drawn around my feet, no shoes, feet close together. Mm. And within that chalk line was where I could act. But anything outside of that, it was either God's job or it was my son's job. And there were times that I would start to get into that mode to where, oh, I need to do something. And I would sense the Holy Spirit saying, do you want your voice to be louder than mine in mm. his ear? And I would have to take a step back and say, I'm going to let this unfold. And I, I need to say this because here, when I wrote this, this was, you know, almost a year and a half ago about this situation. This has been the sweetest, most beautiful, hardest miracle I've ever seen unfold. And there was miracles, but miracles often happen in the messiest moments of our life. And, you know, there was there was months of messiness, months of absolute trust in God and utter dependence, months where uh, 
we would take, I would watch steps taken forward only to go backwards. And there I would be on my face on the carpet again, just crying out to God. Hmm. But I do believe that if I had tried to fix this, I do believe that it, it would have, it would not look like it looks like today. So true, you know, but there's a resting and a trusting that has to happen there and how we counter life's challenges and pain points will affect our emotional well-being. This is where the concept of your book holds such promise for those desperate for joy that lasts. Well, y'all, I can't wait to dive into her book more, you know, to help you all unpack the six truths that she has in this book, Joy Keepers. So thank you for being on the show today, Susie. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you. Thank you. So, hey, guys, listen in next week as we dive in deeper and learn how to be healthier emotionally as we live out this joyful life. Yes, we can have a joyful life at all times. In the next episode, Susie will share six truths that will help you find joy in the midst of that life. You've been listening to the Seeing Deep podcast where we dive into the Word of God for the answers to life's problems. (laughs) 